0: Yes, we're open. Living Faith with Needham UCC. A sermon podcast from the Congregational Church of Needham, United Church of Christ. Where no matter who you are, or where you are on life's journey, you're invited and welcome. This sermon for Sunday, September 12th, 2021, is entitled, Wonder. It's the first installment in a nine-part series, reflecting on the book, See No Stranger, A Memoir and Manifesto of Revolutionary Love by Valerie Kaur. The particular scripture we consider today is from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to find out more about our open and affirming ministries at the Congregational Church of Needham, United Church of Christ, simply head over to our website, www.needhamucc.org. Thank you. Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to try to see Jesus because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble, though, and said, This Jesus has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a child of Abraham. For the Son of Man, the truly human one, came to seek out and to save the lost. Friends, God is still speaking to the world and to us. May our hearts be open to listen and respond. Amen way back, way, way back in about 2006. I was in charge of planning a program for a church retreat for the congregation I was then serving, and I was struggling with that task. There was so much, so many other things on my mind, personal things to be sure. There are always personal things clamoring for our attention, but also public things, news stories, issues facing the nation at the time, all vying for my attention. I couldn't seem to clear my head long enough to focus on the task at hand until, as so often happens, I realized that the distractions were the task. I decided to run with that. The focus of our retreat became creating a timeline together up on the wall, Using that newsprint that churches love to use, we would name aloud and write down all the terrible things that had happened since September 11th, 2001. It took a long while. The terror attacks themselves, of course, and the intelligence failures that left our nation so vulnerable, the wars in Afghanistan and then Iraq. The torture scandal at Abu Ghraib prison, the legal fiction of the detentions at Guantanamo Bay, the rise in hate crimes against Muslims in America and those ignorantly confused for Muslims, and the official dismantling of personal privacy with the Patriot Act and the subsequent surveillance of Muslim communities, economic scandals involving Enron and Halliburton. Remember them? and their ties to the then-president and vice-president, the systemic failures and catastrophic losses of life and property in Hurricane Katrina. Our timeline literally wrapped around the room, visualizing for us all the fear and anger and distress we felt constricting our hearts. Paradoxically, though, seeing it all written out, seemed to prove helpful. It helped us literally see why we were feeling all that we were feeling, and it reminded us we were not alone. At last, we could begin to breathe together, to breathe through it. 2006, those were the good old days. I'm not even going to try to list all the troubles that have arisen since all the trauma we are carrying today or all the trauma we're just now in communities like ours becoming aware that whole communities of other folks have been carrying for generations, black and brown folks in the United States. You know that trauma already. You know it in your bones And not just the big stuff, the national and international stuff. Sure, your own personal challenges, in your family life, at your work, even just inside yourself, whatever they are, they're not like climate change, threatening the lives and livelihoods of untold millions, but they're yours. And as we all know, objects in the mirror loom largest and squeeze the hardest. So how's your breath today? In the preface to her 2020 book just this past year, See No Stranger, A Memoir and Manifesto of Revolutionary Love, author Valerie Kaur writes this, This book is for anyone who feels breathless. Maybe moving through the world in your body is enough to make you feel constriction in your chest. Maybe you're holding someone close to you who is struggling and suffering. Maybe you're reeling from the latest mass shooting or the refugee crisis at the border or the looming threat of climate change or the blistering pace of a global pandemic. Maybe, like me, you are breathless from all of the above. I thought my breathlessness was a sign of my weakness— Until a wise friend told me what I wish to tell you. Your breathlessness is a sign of your bravery. It means you are awake to what's happening right now. The world is in transition. Now, I read those words, and as the saying goes, I felt seen. More often than not these days, I do feel breathless. Like there's a seatbelt across my heart that cinches tighter with every bump in the road. Only it doesn't make me feel safer, just more brittle as though I might break apart into a million pieces if I have to care about, care for even one more thing, one more issue, take one more precaution, take one more person, place, or thing into consideration, incorporate one more unpleasant truth into my worldview, no matter how real, no matter how true. I know from reading the book that Valerie Kaur knows exactly what I'm talking about. Valerie is a contemporary activist, documentary filmmaker, a third-generation Punjabi American, and a believer and leader in the Sikh faith tradition. And she has been right there with me, with all of us, through all of the trauma of the last 20 years. Like so many of us, she witnessed the fall of the towers in New York. But unlike most of us in this room, she also witnessed up close and personal the subsequent hate crime backlash against those perceived to be Muslim in America, particularly in the murder of a family friend, Balbir Soti, only days later in Mesa, Arizona. She marched and organized against the war in Iraq. As a law student, she helped immigrant residents of East Haven, Connecticut, sue their local police department for harassment, win, and then guide the process of reform. She served as an official legal observer of the military tribunals at Guantanamo. She stood with the Occupy movement against predatory capitalism. She mourned with her own Sikh community after the mass shooting at the local local Gurdwara, the Sikh worship center in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. She mourned again and marched again with the Black Lives Matter movement in Ferguson, Missouri, following the police shooting of Michael Brown. She campaigned for Obama and then was disappointed when he didn't deliver all she'd hoped. She campaigned against Trump and then threw herself into fighting the Muslim ban and the policy of family separation. At the very same time, she was struggling personally with issues of sexual abuse, infertility, and family violence, as well as the everyday challenges of being a non-white, non-male, non-Christian resident of these United States, where despite our highest and best-professed ideals, those still count as three strikes against her. And still, despite all evidence to the contrary— Valerie Kaur believes love is the answer. Not a Hallmark card sort of love, for sure. Not pure sentimentality, but real and revolutionary love. She says, love is more than a feeling. Love is a form of sweet labor, like childbirth. Fierce, bloody, imperfect, and life-giving. Love is a choice we make over and over again. And if love is sweet labor, then love can be taught, modeled, and practiced. This labor engages all our emotions. Joy is the gift of love. Grief is the price of love. Anger protects that which is loved. And when we think we have reached our limit, wonder Is the act that returns us to love. In a speech on New Year's Eve, 2016, she dared go even further. She said, Yes, the future is dark, but what if? What if this darkness is not the darkness of the tomb, but the darkness of the womb? What if our America is not dead, but a country still waiting to be born? What if the story of America is one long labor? What if this is our nation's greatest transition? When I read that, and when I heard Valerie speak live twice over the past two years as part of gatherings of our United Church of Christ denominational family, I could not help but hear the words and the life and the example of Jesus. Yes, to be clear, Valerie is a practicing sick, not a Christian, and I do not in any way mean to co-opt the particular blessings of that faith tradition for her. But for me, her words resonate with and reinforce what I believe most deeply about our God's purposes of justice, peace, and compassion for the world. After all, what did Jesus say was the greatest commandment? the way, the truth, and the life we are supposed to live, except love. Love for God with all of our heart and soul and mind and body, love that is necessarily expressed in concrete acts of love for our neighbors and ourselves and even our enemies. Love that rejoices and strives and even bleeds and dies and seemingly impossibly rises again for love. I do not believe that it's just our nation, but rather the entire world that's in transition right now. Transition, that moment in the labor of birth when the pangs are coming hard and fast and the new life is not yet born. When everything seems balanced on the edge of a knife. My faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus leads me to believe that with all evidence to the contrary, this current darkness, which looks and sounds and even smells like the darkness of the tomb, is in fact, in faith, in hope, the womb of a new way in the world. And that new way, as Valerie says, all begins with wonder with our willingness to wonder. And not just to wonder as in to marvel in awe at a beautiful sunset or the majesty of the Grand Canyon or even at a particularly transcendent piece of music, but to wonder about other people. Do you ever wonder about other people? It happens to me when I'm driving my car along I-95, when I'm stuck in traffic, when I happen to look over at the person in the car next to me, and in a flash, I have an imagination, a vision of their life, how it's every bit as complicated as my own, if not more so with all the same sort of convoluted relationships with family and friends and work and everything else, with all the same sort of decisions, all the same sort of pressures, if not more, for just a moment I wonder about them. Who are they really? Not just the jerk who happened to cut me off waiting in traffic, but who are they? What are their lives like? Why do they do what they do? What are their stories? And importantly, how do the stories they tell themselves about themselves differ from the stories I tell about them, if I bother with them at all, which is another sort of story all by itself. Now, oddly enough, of course, it is far easier to wonder about passing strangers than it is to wonder about people we know much better, about the members of our own families, and even about our enemies. Both groups of people we think we know all too well, or at least we think we know all we need to know. Being willing to wonder about others, to think about them afresh, not just as supporting characters or even antagonists in our drama, but as real flesh and blood folks in their own right, is the beginning of a building a wider we that is the cornerstone of empathy and compassion, of love. As Valerie Kaur puts it, wonder is where love begins. But the failure to wonder is the beginning of Violence. Once people stop wondering about others, once they no longer see others as part of them themselves, they disable their instinct for empathy. And once they lose empathy, they can do anything to them or allow anything to be done to them. Not only recently, to be sure, But certainly over the last 20 years, and especially in the last 18 months, we have witnessed and experienced and even inflicted the painful consequences of our failure to wonder about our neighbors and their stories, and a failure to wonder about our own. Which brings us, strangely enough, to Jesus, and to this odd little story in Luke's gospel about Zacchaeus that has somehow Become such a Sunday school standard. Maybe you remember the song. I won't ask you to sing it, but I'll sing a little bit. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Cute, right? Catchy though less cute, perhaps, if, like me, you're the weeest little man in your family, compared to your tall father and even taller brothers. And far less cute, for sure, if we understand that the crowd gathered that day would have called Zacchaeus not cute, but a sinner. And they did, for he was a tax collector And not just greedy, but a cheat. And not just a cheat, but a collaborator with the occupying forces of imperial Rome. And not just a collaborator, but a traitor to his own Jewish people. With no right in their mind to see Jesus... Possibly the Messiah, the one they believed was prophesied, would liberate their people, would throw off the shackles of Rome and deliver unto deadbeats like Zacchaeus exactly the punishment they so richly deserved. Oh, they knew Zacchaeus, all right. And no wondering about it. Except Jesus. Jesus wondered. Jesus was willing to wonder about the strange man up in the tree and all the what's and how's and why's of his life. And that wonder led him to turn aside and take time to spend the time to ask questions, even to go to Zacchaeus' home and share a meal with him and his family. That wonder led Jesus to love Again, not frilly, sentimental love, but deep and personal, dignified and dignifying love that allows us to see the other as a child of God, a member of our family, not just some strange stranger, but simply a family member we don't know yet. That wondrous love that allowed Zacchaeus to change his own story for the better. And so allow Jesus to say, today salvation has come to us in this house, because this man is also a child of Abraham, a child of God, just like me. Now, of course, simply being willing to wonder doesn't automatically fix things. Things are a lot more complicated than that. But for sure, nothing can really be fixed without it. Wonder opens the door to transformation. And not just for the other, for all the other others that we are willing to wonder about, but for us as well. And as Valerie Kors' grandfather, whom she called Papaji, explained to her, love is dangerous business. If you choose to wonder, if you choose to see no stranger, then you must love people even when they do not love you. You must wonder about them, even when they refuse to wonder about you. You must even protect them when they are in harm's way. Sometimes we know Jesus knows. You may even be called on to die from them, for them, for the sake of love. So wonder is the first step on this journey of revolutionary love for others, for ourselves, even for our enemies, that we will be exploring with the help of Valerie Kaur and, of course, Jesus this fall. It's a journey that will, we hope and pray, lead us from wondering to grieving to fighting to raging to listening to reimagining to breathing— to pushing and finally to transitioning and being transformed, being reborn and the world along with us in love. I wonder, are we brave enough to take that first step together? Friends, if you have heard the word of God preached here today, Remember to give all honor and glory to our one God, Creator Christ and Holy Spirit. Amen.